RTHK, the news at one with Sean Kennedy. The headlines. Cross-border students start returning to Hong Kong schools for the first time in years under a quota system. A lawmaker urges the chief executive to reconsider his opposition to an independent inquiry into the handling of the pandemic. And Myanmar's military rulers face further sanctions on the second anniversary of the coup that brought them to power. A number of cross-border students returned to Hong Kong today for face-to-face classes after the Lunar New Year holiday. With a a daily quota for cross-border travellers, there are no separate arrangements for students, which means they still have to reserve a slot and undergo PCR tests. 30 cross-border students returned to a primary school in Shangshui. This primary five student, surnamed Shao, says he hasn't attended face-to-face classes for three years. I woke up before 6 today, but I normally woke up at 7.30 for online classes. I was only able to see my classmates and teachers online during the pandemic. I want to come back to school and I'm happy to see them again. It's worth waking up early. The quota system is expected to end for cross-border secondary school students next week and for primary and kindergarten pupils later this month. But the student's father says he can't wait for the quota system to be scrapped. It's troublesome, but it's worth it. My son hasn't gone to school for such a long time. We had to queue up for an hour for the PCR test, but attending online classes for three years was having a huge effect on my son. He couldn't focus, and there were no social interactions. So we just hope he can come back as soon as possible. Third-side lawmaker Tik Chi Yoon has urged Chief Executive John Lee to reconsider his opposition to holding an independent inquiry into how the administration handled the pandemic. Speaking to RTHK's Hong Kong today, he said he was disappointed with Mr Lee's comments and says taking stock of the experience, good and bad, will only help the city improve its future performance. We gained the experience from the past and our mistake. It can make some improvement. It makes our government to be more careful about the situation and handle the future problem will be better. So uh, I expect the city we consider his decision, whether it is necessary to have a mechanism to reveal the situation and find out the best way in the future. Turning overseas, Myanmar's military rulers are facing further international sanctions on the second anniversary of the coup that brought them to power. The US, Canada, Australia and the UK have all announced measures. There's been widespread violence in Myanmar since the overthrow of the civilian government. The BBC's Jonathan Head, who's on the Thailand-Myanmar border, says diplomacy has so far made no headway. Within a few months of the coup, there was a meeting with Myanmar's ASEAN neighbours. A five-point consensus was agreed where the military government was supposed to start dialogue with the government it overthrew in the coup, the government led by Aung San Suu Kyi, and to end the violence. That just hasn't happened. And so for the chair of this year in ASEAN, Indonesia, a country that's been very critical of Myanmar, there's a huge challenge, and the Indonesian foreign minister is already making it clear they do not expect to get anywhere close to resolving the Myanmar crisis this year. Civil rights leaders and relatives of Tyree Nichols, who was fatally beaten by police in the U.S. city of Memphis, have called for justice on the eve of his funeral. Some held photos of Mr. Nichols in the hospital bed where he died. The event was held in the church where Martin Luther King gave his last speech. Tyree Nichols' brother, Jamal Dupree, expressed gratitude for the support his family had received. My little brother didn't deserve none of this at all, but... At the same time, my sisters and my brothers, they remind me, like, y'all really got my brother back. 
That's why I really appreciate that, you know? Seeing the support every day on social media, seeing it on the news, everything. When I came in here and seen the support, it's just, it's amazing. From my brothers and sisters, since I'm speaking for us all tonight, we truly appreciate it. Five police officers have been charged with murder over Mr Nichols' death. The Hollywood actor Alec Baldwin has formally been charged with involuntary manslaughter after the fatal shooting of a cinematographer on a film set. Helena Hutchins was shot while filming the western Rust in the state of New Mexico in 2021. Mr Baldwin allegedly fired the prop gun during a rehearsal. The film's armourer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, also faces charges. The BBC's Sophie Long has more. The court documents outline the ways that prosecutors claim Alec Baldwin behaved negligently, both as an actor and producer of the film Rust. He's accused of not undertaking sufficient training with firearms and of not performing the required safety checks with the armourer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who faces the same charges. Prosecutors claim he acted with a willful disregard of the safety of others. On hearing the charges were to be filed, Mr Baldwin's lawyers said they represented a terrible miscarriage of justice and that they would fight the charges and win. The organisers of the Oscars have decided not to revoke a Best Actress nomination for Andrea Riseborough. There was intense campaigning to promote the British star's performance in To Leslie, a film which drew small audiences. The BBC's Regan Morris reports. Andrea Riseborough's performance as an alcoholic mother who squanders her lottery winnings has been widely praised but little seen. Ahead of Oscar nominations, some prominent Academy members, including Gwyneth Paltrow and Jennifer Aniston, praised the film in social media posts which went viral. Some posts from producers of the film mentioned competitors, which is forbidden. The Academy said in a statement that social media campaign rules would be updated and clarified next award season. The controversial Republican congressman George Santos has said he'll step down from serving on committees in the U.S. House of Representatives. Mr Santos, who was elected in November, has faced growing calls to resign after he admitted making up parts of his CV and biography. He's also facing multiple investigations over his campaign spending and financial reports. Mr Santos brushed aside questions from reporters in Washington. Are you confident that you will be clear? Yes, I am. Why? Why are you confident I'm you'll confident be clear? I'm confident I'll be clear because I, I have nothing to hide. My if you questions have... will be answered to the appropriate people. The media is not judge and jury of anything. Sorry. If you have nothing to the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has criticized several key policies of the new Israeli government during a meeting with the Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. Mr. Blinken said Washington opposed action by either side that would make a two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict more difficult. On the immediate future facing the Palestinians, Mr. Blinken had this to say. It's also important to continue to strive uh, not only for reducing violence, but ensuring that Ultimately, uh, Israelis and Palestinians alike enjoy the same rights, uh, the same opportunities. What we're, what we're seeing now for Palestinians is a shrinking horizon of hope, not an expanding one. And that, too, we believe needs to change. Mr Blinken's latest meetings follow talks on Monday with Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Pope Francis has condemned the exploitation of African natural resources by wealthy countries. He's on the first papal visit to the Democratic Republic of Congo for nearly 40 years. It has some of the world's richest deposits of valuable minerals, but has suffered decades of conflict, leading to millions of deaths. In a speech in Kinshasa, the Pope said the DRC wasn't a mine to be stripped. 
It is a tragedy that these lands, and more generally the whole African continent, continue to endure various forms of exploitation. A thought that comes from the subconscious of many cultures and many people. Africa should be exploited, and this is terrible. A new report has found that executions in Saudi Arabia have doubled under the kingdom's current leader, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. In March last year, 81 people were put to death in a single day. Mayafoa is the director of the London-based campaign group Reprieve, which has been compiling details of the executions. Part of the problem is Saudi Arabia has a regime of secrecy around the death penalty. So you have people who were arrested, tried, sentenced to death and then executed in secret. The Saudi embassy in London called for its sovereign right to follow its own judicial policies to be respected. Stargazers could be in with a once-in-a-lifetime chance to spot a rare green comet which is making its closest approach to Earth in thousands of years. It's been visible in the Northern Hemisphere in recent weeks but will be at its brightest and closest to Earth in the coming hours. The BBC's Victoria Gill has more. The somewhat uncatchily named C2022E3ZTF comet was discovered just last year and it's currently making its closest approach to Earth of its orbit. It'll still be about 25 million miles from our planet, which is just over a quarter of the distance between Earth and the Sun. If there's no cloud, there's a chance of spotting what'll look like a pale green smudge as this icy, dusty object streaks across the sky. But if the weather doesn't allow a clear view, the next opportunity to see it won't come for another 50,000 years. The United States has charged four more men with being involved in the assassination of Haiti's president, Jovenel Moise. The suspects were arrested in Haiti and transferred to prison in Florida. Three of them have due Haitian-American citizenship. The other is a retired Colombian colonel who's accused of being one of the plot leaders. Mr Moise was murdered in July 2021 by hired gunmen who stormed his official residence. Business news now, and the White House has criticised the huge profits posted by the US energy company ExxonMobil. They reached nearly $56 billion last year, a new record for the Western oil industry. But Exxon insists it's investing heavily in oil and gas projects. The BBC's David Willis reports. President Biden has been highly critical of major oil companies recording record profits at a time when fuel shortages have caused prices to rise, leaving motorists here paying high prices at the pumps. Condemning Exxon's earnings report, a White House spokesman said that instead of increasing production, the companies in question were choosing to pad the pockets of their shareholders and executives. The U.S. government has blocked a proposed copper and gold mine in a remote region of Alaska in what's seen as a victory for environmentalists. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency said the discharge would damage Bristol Bay, which produces half the wild sockeye salmon in the world. The company behind the project says the area has gold and copper deposits worth hundreds of billions of dollars. Sport, and we start with football and the celebrations at St. James Park. Yes, Newcastle have beaten Southampton 2-1 in the second leg of their English League Cup semi-final, winning 3-1 on aggregate to book a place at Wembley. 
Newcastle's first League Cup final in 47 years will be against Manchester United or Nottingham Forest. United take a commanding 3-0 lead into tonight's semi-final second leg at Old Trafford, but they'll be without Christian Eriksen. The Danish midfielder is out until at least April after picking up an ankle injury during the FA Cup win over Reading this past weekend. Manager Eric Ten Hag says it'll be hard to replace to replicate what Eriksen brings to the team. Every player has his own characteristics and identity. So another player will always fill it in in a different way. But that doesn't mean that you have to be less successful. But it's quite clear that Christian Eriksen, that is for our squad, that is, brings top quality. The transfer window has closed for English Premier League clubs and one of the biggest moves of the day involves Manchester City and Bayern Munich. João Cancelo has officially swapped the English champions for the German champions on a six-month loan deal. The Portuguese wing-back has played an integral part in City's past two title-winning seasons. He now moves to Germany with an option to join Bayern permanently for just over US$75 dollars at the end of the season. The former Premier League winner Chris Sutton is surprised by the move. This is, you know, quite a baffling move, you know, as it is. I mean, it, it, it just seems to me that from the outside, this is Pep flexing his muscles. And, uh, you know, it looks like there has been some sort of fallout because at this moment in time, Manchester City fans will be thinking, you know, we've got a lot to do to win the Premier League. You know, I think many Manchester City fans would consider Cancelo still as their best fullback. The English Premier League club Chelsea have completed the most expensive signing in British football history. They've brought the Argentine they've bought the Argentine midfielder Enzo Fernandez in a deal worth 130 million US dollars. The World Cup winner joins from the Portuguese side Benfica. Chelsea have paid vast sums for players since being taken over by an American-led consortium last year. Meanwhile, English Premier League leaders Arsenal have signed Jorginho from Chelsea for around 15 million US dollars. The Italian midfielder was a key part of the Chelsea side that won the Champions League in 2021, but his contract at Stamford Bridge was due to expire in the summer. Tottenham signed defender Pedro Porro from Sporting Lisbon just minutes before the deadline. The Spanish right-back played twice for Sporting against Spurs in this season's Champions League group stage. And the weather forecast for today. We can expect sunny periods and it'll be mainly cloudy tonight with easterly winds, moderate easterly winds. The outlook, it'll be windier in the next couple of days and it'll be cool with a few rain patches on Friday and Saturday. The rain will gradually ease off, bringing brighter weather early next week. Currently at the observatory, it's 23 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is 69%. To end the news, the top stories once again. Cross-border students start returning to Hong Kong schools for the first time in under a in years under a quota system and a lawmaker urges the chief executive to reconsider his opposition to an independent inquiry into the handling of the pandemic. The news from RTHK. The Brew with Phil Whelan on Radio 3.
nothing wrong with that And if you ain't coming back I can either burn the bar down Or I can take your number out my phone Morgan Wallen, one thing at a time. So it's Wednesday afternoon, pretty hot out there right now, 23 degrees, enjoy it while you can. It's The Brew, and pretty shortly we're going to go off to Bangkok, meet Paul Archibald and talk about composers who were all born in various years of the rabbit, and of course listen to some wonderful tunes. Feed me to the lions, throw me to the walls, drop me to the floor, I ain't ever gonna crawl. Circle like a shark, does treat me like a dog, call me what you want. Cause you're right, I'm an animal 